This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. I could sing the praises of overtime hockey in last night's third game in the 2023 Stanley Cup final for you if I wanted to, because it's exciting now that the Florida Panthers have made a series of it, but that's not why you called, as we used to say. Hey, thanks for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil, and this is another edition of the Danny Mac podcast. Uh, right here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Please tell your friends about these podcasts if they have not subscribed. If you haven't done so already, it's very easy and it's free. The podcast is waiting for you when you look at your device. There I am. Hey, Max got thoughts. And those thoughts today are hockey-related again. Yes, the hockey angel continues to sit on my shoulder as I prepare the welcome to Chicago party for Connor Bedard in uh, what 19 days now he'll be arriving at O'Hare the draft coming up on the last Wednesday of June but uh, today is a good day for um, a scrapbook item because it was on this day in 2010 when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup championship and it was my pleasure to be in Philadelphia for game six as Coach Q and the Blackhawks punched the Flyers out in overtime, 4-3, to three, Patrick Kane's goal missed around the world. Only a few players on the planet, only a few human beings actually saw the puck cross the goal line behind Michael Layton. Um, I'll get to that in just a little bit and how weird that was to be waiting a lifetime in my case, I, I was in my mother's womb when the Hawks won the cup in 1961. So at the age of uh, what, in 2010, 48, going on 49 years old, that's my first championship and uh, the first for many fans. And you don't even get to see the puck go across the goal line. What in the hell happened as we wonder? Here are a few trivia questions for you. I want to see how much you remember about the 2010 Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks and their opposition uh, in that final, the Eastern Conference champion Flyers, who were the seventh seed in the East up against the Blackhawks, uh, and uh, a team that was a veteran team, not nearly as talented offensively as the Blackhawks were in that era, but a good, gritty, grindy Play it smart in the postseason Flyers team. Do you remember the name of their head coach? I didn't think you did. Peter Laviolette was the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm betting you struggle a little bit also. Uh, ooh, don't bump that court. Uh, to remember some of the key players on the Philadelphia roster. I, I look back at these every now and again. 
So I have the luxury of having been refreshed between June 9 of 2010 and today when I'm talking to you about this. So I, I can remember the Scott Hartnells of the world. Hartnell had two goals for the Flyers in that uh, sixth game, the 4-3 Hawks overtime win. Uh, a couple of nuggets about about that game and about the cup championship for the Blackhawks. Did you know which Blackhawk player had his name misspelled on on the Stanley Cup trophy? Which player's name was misspelled on the cup? If you said Chris Versteeg, you are correct. And they didn't. They got the Chris with a K part of it, right? Like Chris Kringle, Chris with a K. K-R-I-S, Versteeg, it's spelled V-E-R-S-T-E-E-G, but on the cup it reads, or reads, read, V-E-R-T-S-T-E-E-G. They transposed a couple of letters there, so shame on them. The Blackhawks and Flyers in Game 6 treated uh, treated American television audiences, I shouldn't say treated, it enjoyed the largest television audience for a cup final game in America since 1974. And again, those were the Flyers. Those were Bobby Clark's first of two Stanley Cup championship winners in Philadelphia. So the huge ratings, not only in the States, but also in Canada. In a, a Stanley Cup final game involving two American teams, the Blackhawks and Flyers set a record. Almost 4 million people in Canada watched that game. Game six on NBC. And afterward, when Jeremy Roenick got emotional and teared up a little bit, it, it, it meant a lot to Blackhawks fans. And it was criticized in some corners from those who say you're a professional broadcaster, you can't do Oh, that's bullshit. We want to see emotion from people. Do we not? Really? We're going to criticize a guy for tearing up because he his career ended without a Stanley Cup title? In the case of Jeremy Roenick, 517 goals. And not in uh, Hockey's Hall of Fame, which is uh, just inexcusable. There was only one assist on Patrick Kane's game winner, his 10th goal of the postseason, which came four minutes and six seconds into overtime. Do you remember which Blackhawk had the only assist on the goal? And if I told you he's a defenseman, that might not point you to the obvious answer because he often gets forgotten now that we're 13 years after the fact. No, it wasn't. It wasn't my guy, Duncan Keith. He did have an assist in the game. He assisted on, uh, I believe it was uh, Patrick Sharp's goal that tied the game at two. Yes, that's correct. Patrick Sharp's goal, uh, 10 minutes into the second period, tied the game at two. Uh, Sharp's 11th of the playoffs. Assists went to Bolin and Keith. But on Kane's goal, the only Blackhawk to assist was defenseman Brian Campbell, number 51 who did a ton of uh, really cool fundraising stuff for autism charities and uh, was a very likable, offensive-minded defenseman. Enjoyed him. Dustin Bufflin got the Hawks on the board late in the first period with a power play goal. Assists went to Taves and Kane. Hartnell tied it at one just a few minutes later. Hawks outshot him by 10. It didn't matter after one. 
They're tied at one aside. The Flyers took a two to one lead, uh, middle of the first period, late, I should say, about eight minutes into the second period. Daniel Briere, remember that name, uh, assisted by Vili Leno, saving it all for Leno. And Lucas Krejcik, um, sharp ties it. And then Andrew Ladd gives the Hawks a three to two lead. Assists go to the Swedish Warrior, Nick Chalmerson, and Patrick Kane. That's late in the second period. So the Hawks, you know, just 20 minutes away from winning a Stanley Cup championship. And then only four minutes remained before Hartnell's second goal of the game. Uh, Assist to Leno and Briere. They were all over the score sheet that night. I think uh, Chris Pronger, my boy from Dryden, Ontario, also had an assist for uh, for Philly, but that's pretty much it. So that ties the game at three aside. And Anti Niemi at this point had not really been worked too hard in the game, but had enjoyed an, a, a very successful postseason run. And if you didn't know by now, you you should. In the NHL, they do not give a most valuable player award just for the championship series, not just for the cup final. It's for the entire postseason. So in this case, it it covers every year. It covers four series. Your first three rounds, you know, the quarters, the semis, and the conference finals, and then the cup final. Four series to get the hardware. And Niemi was, was right there. Jonathan Taves wound up edging Niemi in the voting. It could have gone either way, but uh, Taves at the time was just so very young. The youngest captain ever to hoist the Stanley Cup trophy. And he did it a year after Sidney Crosby distinguished himself with that recognition to become the youngest captain to win a Stanley Cup. And I said at the time when Crosby and the Penguins won it in 09, let's see what what Johnny Taves did the math. I looked up Taves' birthday. I said, Taves will have this record beat next year when he hoists the cup. And he did. Before I get to Kane's game winner, a weird little nugget here. You know who doesn't appear on the score sheet for the Hawks? The great Marion Hosa. He did draw a two-minute minor penalty for goaltender interference in the middle of the game. But how can you have a big game like this and not have the great Hoss on the score sheet? Oh, man, what an exciting night. It was a Wednesday night in Philadelphia. Mitch Rosen, who was the program director at the score, was cool enough to send my show, my midday show with Matt Spiegel on the road for both legs um, of that cup games three and four in Philly. And then again, uh, I'm sorry, games. Yeah. Three and four and then six. And then he did it in Boston three years later, Spiegel and I, uh, just relaxing in the hotel restaurant bar, having a couple of beverages before puck drop. And when that puppy goes to overtime, it was just so, so tense. So such tension in the building. And there's nothing quite like the tension of a championship game shortly before the ball goes in the air. In the case of a basketball game or a football game, in this case, a puck getting dropped. I remember watching game one at the United Center when the Hawks were warming up as fans just kind of stood around and watched nervously, not knowing what to do. And then when you get to overtime, 
And where, where we were seated, we were excess media, and that's the perfect description for talk show hosts who aren't really working, but they're kind of working. Spiegel and the late Les Grobstein and I were upstairs at Wachovia Center on the second floor adjacent to the press box, and we watched the overtime together, and we're, we're watching the play, and uh, neither team was called for a penalty, by the way, in the extra session, which only went four minutes and six seconds before Kaner ended it. And Patrick Kane takes the puck into the left corner. Now, this is the far end of where we're watching. So, to our, you know, looking to my left, he's at the left end of the rink near the end line. He just dumps the puck sort of lazily towards the cage. Layton moved laterally with it. He was guarding his right post, and he slides over to protect his left post. And the puck slid in underneath his stick, and it, it immediately lodged underneath the padding, the, the net padding, and never came out. He didn't see it. The, the the guys upstairs didn't see it cross the line. The light behind the net never went on. And we all just for a split second or two were just, you know, before we anyone said anything, you notice Patrick Kane and Patrick Sharp and Brent Seabrook are throwing their gloves and sticks in the air. And I'm, I'm looking at, at Spiegel and Les and I'm, what in the F? What happened? What, and then all of a sudden, everybody piles off the hogs, piles out of the hogs bench and onto the ice, and they are celebrating, but the officials have not said anything. There's no announcement on the PA. There's, there's a huddle near the, the goal or near the scoring area where the officials talk to Toronto and New York in this case. They've got both operations going, and the network is involved as well. And it took several minutes before the public address announcers, you know, stated that it's a goal. And uh, with, the, with the goal, his 10th of the postseason, number, <laughs> number 88, Patrick Kane, assisted by Brian Campbell, number 51, at 4.06 of overtime. Drive safely, everybody. And while it was glorious in so many ways and such a tremendously satisfying regular season ride, it really was a great season. And you had that feeling once Hosa became a part of the mix on what most people call Black Wednesday. I like to call it Hell Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving, when he made his Blackhawks debut in uh, November 09 against San Jose which was just perfect for the Hosa song Spiegel and I did because it said by December I will dress and there it is November 21st or something he's he's dressing and we'd written the song long before the season had started and he had a shorty and also an even strength goals and immediately his presence was felt and how important he was in that first round series against the Predators, even though he put the Hawks in harm's way and drew a major penalty. He scored the overtime game winner in game five. Had the Hawks not copped that victory, they would have gone to Nashville down three games to two in the series and maybe don't even get to the conference semis. A glorious regular season, but not 
not nearly as satisfying as you would hope for if ever. I mean, doesn't that sound like a Sox fan? Find a way to not enjoy your team winning. I didn't see it. None of us saw it. Uh, and then, of course, for radio highlights, for posterity's sake, John Weideman has to recut the actuality uh, because he didn't know what happened. Nobody knew what happened. They have to recut it as though they saw it going across the goal line to make it interesting years after the fact, even though this is what we talk about today. 17 seconds, uh, punch in the greater sign, 17 seconds against the Bruins. Yeah, that Bickle and Boland, 17 seconds apart, late in the third period after the Hawks were walking, skating in quicksand for half the night. They were stuck in neutral all night, and then they scored two goals in 17 seconds. So satisfying, and especially three years later after winning the cup. But it was, uh, it was a glorious night. And I remember the frustration of trying to get to the ice. We didn't have televisions. And boy, poor Dan, right? We're in the bowels of the Wachovia Center, and we're trying to get out to the ice once they let media get out onto the ice, other than television, because you throw another 200 people out there. It, it gets kind of congested, and all of the players' families and coaches' families and league personnel – there are several hundred, three, four hundred people on the ice, and it goes on for an hour. Nobody is in a rush to leave. You get a chance to shake hands with a lot of people, and it was nice to do that with uh, former Hawks voice Pat Foley and John McDonough and Rocky Wirtz and the people who put that together, Joel Quinville, and to get a picture with my favorite Blackhawk, who I also like this guy, never really a great interview, but Duncan Keith, one of my favorite Hawks, of all time. He says, get your effing finger in the air. We just won the fucking cup. Oops. I swore. Sorry about that. Adam, I effed myself. And then I said it. Um, anyway, that I'm quoting Duncan Keith. He's a potty mouth hockey player. Okay. Don't blame me. Blame people who are from Winnipeg or the Winnipeg area. We know he wasn't born there, but he grew up there. Anyway, Boston's 17 seconds, far greater than the Kane mysterious game winner, but it was the team's first championship in 49 years, and it happened on this day in 2010, and man, was I lucky to be there. It is one of my all-time favorite experiences because there is no team in Chicago or anywhere else that resurrects in me the 10-year-old fanboy who was on top of the world when the Hawks won that cup in 2010 and again in 13 and again in 15. I want to thank you for uh, allowing me this indulgence, this little scrapbook today. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanking Adam Delavitt. He loves hockey and all discussion of it. He's the big boss man. He's baby Capone at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network and Sam Michael, my executive producer as well. Enjoy your weekend. Looking forward to talking Father's Day and fathering, as well as all of the games people play with you next week. I'm Dan McNeil. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.